Rocky News coming to you live from the heart of Manhattan at Rockefeller Center. Joined, uh, as usual, with Nastasia de Hammer Lopez in Connecticut, where she is recovering from some sort of internal poisoning. How you doing, Stas? I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. Sucks to be sick. Really sucks to be sick. Yeah. Uh, we got uh, Joe Hazen in the booth. How you doing? I'm doing well. Great to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you as well. We got uh, we got Quinn holding the fort down in Vancouver Island. How you doing, Quinn? I'm good. I'm good. Good, good. Uh, Jackie Molecules, where are you right now? Los Angeles. Los Angeles. And behind me in the studio, we got uh, our intrepid chefy chef uh, John from Temperance. How you doing? Doing great, thanks. Yeah, everything yeah. good. All right. Yeah. And uh, following our normal new route, I'm going to introduce our. <laughs> special guests so that they can be part of our pre-show or beginning show banter. I have a, we've never actually met before Wiley Dufresne in the studio, <laughs> Chef Wiley Dufresne. We've never met, right? This is the first time we're... We've never met here before. <laughs> yeah, in so... In this very tiny room. Yeah, so... We've met in other tiny rooms. Other, but, many, many other tiny rooms. The tiniest room, I think, that we ever met was like your old office at WD-50. <laughs> which which was, is slightly smaller than this room, but not much. Well, here's the thing, like, uh, so, you know, for those of you that don't know, uh, Wiley Dufresne, my brother-in-law, and uh, for a long time, in fact, that's how we know each other is because we shared a mutual interest in the Carpenter Sisters. Yeah. That sounds weird when you say it like that. Yeah, but, but fact. But, it, it, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, <clears throat> so anyways, so you might know he started, well, you started at Il Forno in... Uh, in Al, Al Forno. Al Forno in, yep. uh, in Rhode Island, right? Well, I mean, actually, I mean, professionally, that might be accurate. I've been right. cooking since I was 11. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But I mean, like, for jobs. I mean, I had several jobs, in, in like, summer jobs in restaurants, like between my college years but my first one was yes the the summer before my senior year of college uh i worked at alfornos correct right. and then you went to uh you know where i used to work and where miley by the way i was when i said i never had you on before people were like what about miley <laughs> and i'm like so you're married to miley who you know is the culinary journalism juggernaut to beat all culinary we should have her on the show you uh, you should you should yeah i mean i could leave and she could maybe come over now Hey, she is pretty close, actually. Oh, she's on. <laughs> she's in Oklahoma. So. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Chill, chilling with the pioneer lady. Currently, in, we're on route to Oklahoma. Is yeah. she the pioneer lady or the pioneer woman? I, I believe she goes by pioneer woman. Pioneer woman. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. she has a big old ranch, right? I, I mean, again, that's why you should have Miley on to discuss right, those right, matters. Right, 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 so right. It's not. So anyway, so then whatever you went to the French Culinary Institute, then like your well, your first big. I'm just doing the quick thing. Maybe we we'll do banter first, and then we do quick. You want to do banter first? You have anything good? You cook anything good this week? Have I cooked anything good this week? Um, uh, not really. I mean, it's the week is pre it's early in the week, so I have. Well, I mean, in I mean, the I last started, seven days. In the I last started, seven days, I, my week started at your house, having mm. having a, a, a sort of Silence of the Lambs turkey experience, which was uh, which yeah. was enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That yeah, was good. Yeah. I put the lotion. I literally put the lotion on the skin. You you certainly did. And it got so. What I did, people, was I made my mom's stuffing recipe because I'm I'm supposed to go on. And you were on. Dave Chang's recipe club. I, I was Yang, indeed. Not, not that long ago. It was yeah. great. Good fun. Good yeah. Fun. And so like I'm doing something with them and I'm on their Thanksgiving episode. So I made my mom stuffing. But my gist of how the recipe club's supposed to work is that you're supposed to do something that is maybe that you haven't done before. Right? Correct. So like since I've had this stuffing every year of my life and have made it for at least or been a participant in making it for at least 42 years, right? Or at least since I was 10 or before, right? I was like, well, I got to do something different. So I, I, I ripped the skin off a turkey just like, the, just like Buffalo Bill and then uh, I meat glued it around the stuffing and just made like a like – a, just skin and stuffing, like just skin and stuffing. I mean, the wings were added on for some some authentic, yeah, yeah. Uh, for a little visual appeal. You know, it was quite delicious. Oh, it thanks. was quite delicious. Yeah. Well, I do love my mom's stuffing recipe. Uh, this week, I haven't I haven't prepared I, much. I mean, again, I started Sunday night at your house uh, last night. Uh, we we dined al fresco um, as a family. Uh, and this I'll be cooking later this week. Pizzas on pizzas on the the docket. I make pizza every week. Yeah. Um, probably do uh the girls like my my, my wife your other your sister-in-law will be out of town most of the week so i'll do be doing a lot of cooking the girls like uh we do a little mango chicken we got we found this delicious indian mango chicken 
from a place not far from us up in Curry Hill, and I've reverse engineered it pretty well. So we'll oh, do yeah. that. The girls like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, it's fun. I like cooking at home a lot, as as do you. I know yeah, you yeah. do too. But yeah. so also just like I don't know, I'm just used to it anyway. Yeah, like I said, I make pizza every week because that's uh, an important part of what's what's coming, and so. Yeah, how much you want to talk about that? I'm, I mean, we can talk about most of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. All right, what about what about you guys, John? What do you got? What do you got? Anything good this week? I'm assuming stars that you don't have that much good this week because you don't feel well that you haven't been cooking a lot. I got this like two days ago, but yeah, no, nothing good. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. All right. What about what about what about you, John? No, nothing really. I guess I don't know. I've been getting good at making the carbonara at the restaurant, but so oh, yeah, it's satisfying. But yeah. So, what kind of carbonara learning curve did you go through? I mean, I've always made it for myself and for family meal and things like that, but this was, yeah, I don't know. I've just been getting better at it. I found like the right ratio of cooked pasta to egg yolks to cheese. I had it was incredible. (laughs) If any of you have been to the restaurant like maybe like three weeks ago and had the carbonara, go again. Have the carbonara again. Much better. What's the the pork product of choice in your carbonara? Guanciale. Yeah. Fair. Trying to keep it. But who's guanciale? That, uh, That Iowa one? It's yeah, La Quercia. You're I think a, I'm going to try and get the Salumaria Bielese. You're a La Quercia man, huh? I, well, okay. it's just because okay. that's what Murray's has. Oh, uh, all right. Yeah. It's 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 uh it's too dry to me. I think the La Quercia. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't had it. Look, it all I have, uh, it's nice no offense. I love and, anyone trying to do anything good. I'm not trying to not trying to hurt mm-hmm. anyone. But like, I haven't had their uh, Guanciale for years and years and years. But like, I kind of like the, I kind of like the wetter rolled up. Guanch- I don't know. Yeah, don't know. I'm a huge Guanciale fan, though. 100. percent You know why? It's delicious. delicious. That is correct. That is, that is the correct answer of why to be a fan of anything. Yeah. yeah. Well, delicious. Dave, you know where you could try it, right? It's at my restaurant. If you finally came by. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. That's, yeah, so yeah. That's a tough one, John. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. <laughs> okay. You know what? With with friends like these. Uh, by the way, today is election day, so if you're listening to us live. Uh, that means that you're on the Patreon. If you're not listening to us live and you want to, John, what should they do? Patreon.com slash cooking issues. We got three different levels of membership, all with great different perks. At the base level, you always get to be part of the Discord, which I always forget to mention. It's a great talking space for members from the cooking issues community. You can ask a lot of different questions and, I don't know, get recipe feedback and things like that. It's great. And then also great uh, guests on for which we get uh, discounts, for listeners from uh, Kitchen Arts and Letters, and yeah, just a whole bunch of other things. So you should join. It's very plus, affordable. Plus also, you can call in your questions live to 917-410-1507. That's 917-410-1507. Uh, I'm, I'm dialing right now. Oh my God, don't, don't be that guy. <laughs> don't be that guy. Like, it's on a loop. Turn down your turn. Th- anyway, um, so, uh, hey, Quinn, what do you got going on? Anything good? Uh, I did that... Uh... That uh, Cantonese ketchup spaghetti oh, from yeah. Chinese cooking demystified. It's pretty good. <laughs> uh, compared to any other thing you could do, how was it? <laughs> well, I, I I would do it again. Okay. I'll say that. All right. Yeah. I don't know. Ketchup, I mean, like, I don't know. Why don't you describe quickly the ingredient base that goes into it, huh? Well, it, it's um, onions uh. fried in... Copious fat. Okay. Uh, the recipe calls for lard. I had to substitute uh, ghee because it's all I had. Mm. And then you cook out the ketchup. And then you do add. When you say cook out, what do you, what, what do you mean cook out? You mean cook it until. Then you it, fry the ketchup. Until what? Like, in other words, like. Like like the old school recipe say the fat pops out of it where it demulsifies like almost turning it back to paste. I don't know. If, I don't know if we went that far, but like yeah, there's a, a slight color change at okay. least. And then there's an a, other tomato product added. Again, the recipe called for a little bit of fresh. I just did like half a can, and then you simmer it with uh, crushed garlic, bay leaf. Uh, Shaoxing wine, uh, a little soy sauce. I mean, it's good. Bay, huh? Bay. Uh, I went to Jean Georges' The Tin Building a little while ago to buy, uh, which you guys should go to. Uh, I bought his fancy bay leaf, much better than the bay leaf that I was buying from my supermarket. Dr- dried or fresh? Dry. Dried bay leaf. But like very, well, la boite. 
La Boite piece. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, you know, La Boite makes good stuff. The Spice Box. They, yeah. Speaking of Spice Box, have you guys heard of Spice Bags? Irish Spice Bags? No. Wouldn't no. be your thing, Wiley. John, you've never heard of the Irish Spice Bag? No. Oh, my God. Quinn, you heard of the Irish Spice Bag? Jack or Stas? Is no. Joe? No, no. Uh, so apparently it's... I've been called an Irish Spice Bag. There you go. Well, but you're more of a, more, hey. more of a French-Canadian Spice Bag. <laughs> but... Uh, <clears throat> So apparently it started at like Chinese takeouts in Dublin in the in the like 2010s, right around that area. And it's a mixture of like French fries, fried peppers, uh, pieces of fried chicken, and then like cur- curry curry powder. Oh yeah. And sauce. And I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That yeah. sounds good. Irish spice, and I like the name because it sounds real dirty. No, no dairy product, no, no cheese of any kind or anything like that. I don't know, but curds would be great on that. Yeah, I mean that would be a very interesting riff on poutine. You know, that would be a chuck some curds into that regional, so. regional specialty of I, I, Irindia. <laughs> you got to well. Anyway, I will. I want it. I don't know if there's a legitimate spice bag here in New York, and I'm now kicking myself because it existed the last time I was in Dublin. Because I was in Dublin only like maybe four years ago or five years ago. So it existed, and I was too stupid to to have it. I was not in the know. I mean, that seems like a strong assessment of you, but no. not in retrospect. I could have had a spice bag, the legitimate spice bag, and it's spreading slowly. I think it's coming to. I think it's maybe spreading through Irish pubs. I think there are some in New York, but I don't know who's got like a good one. I want. I don't want like. Although, how could that combination be? Uh, could be bad if you use bad chicken and bad French fries. And it's a curry blend? It's just like a, a, a dry spice? I think they add a dry spice, and I think they also add a, uh, they, they serve it with a sauce. Like a dipping, yeah, a wet dipping so. sauce? I believe so. Never had any hammer. But can you imagine just getting, like ripping open like a, like one of those, you know, those the grease paper, ripping it open and having that be in your spice sack? Right. I want that real bad. I want that real bad. Done well. It sounds delicious. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. You yeah. think they're in the basket at the same time, the fries and the chicken? Same... I mean, that's how I would do Same it. Same basket. I mean, you know, you know, unless you need to segregate your oils, you know what I mean. Anyway, that's racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, miss your molecules. So, what what do you, what what do you have going on in uh, freaking? Uh, what do you have going on in uh, Mexico? Oh man, I was all over Mexico. By the way, I did I did hear the episode last week. I actually indeed did not have service, but uh-huh. appreciated you poking fun at me. Um, <laughs> a ton- <laughs> A ton of delicious food. I was in Mexico City, Oaxaca, uh, Morelos, some towns outside of Oaxaca. But at the end of my trip, on the very last day, I happened to go to this, like, I guess they call it like a psychedelic music festival called Hypnosis. And one of the headliners was Primus of all bands. And get this, a few things. So first of all, this crowd is full of, like, hip young Mexicans. They all know every song, singing every lyric. Of Primus? Tommy the Cat. Yes. I couldn't, I was beside myself. I did not understand how this was possible. Were they mainly doing Fizzle Fry, Sailing the Seas of Cheese, or were they more Winona's Big Brown Beaver era? What were they playing? They did Winona's Big Brown Beaver, Fizzle Fry, Jerry was a race car driver, My Name is Mud, Tommy the Cat. So they also played a, uh, the entire Farewell to Kings Rush album as a cover, right? So this is, but, but here's the fun part. A guy jumps on the stage and tries to steal Les Claypool's bass oh my God. in the middle of the song. Did he get the crap yeah. kicked out of him? The... Oh, yeah, yeah, he sure did. Yeah. Oh, but, my God. That's, you know, I mean, it, was, it, was, it was just wild. I just know we talked about Primus on the show a few weeks ago. Yeah. It was a very weird coincidence. Yeah. I, like, every month or two, I think about the concert I saw them play in New Haven with Fishbone. Where he just stopped the song to defy the laws of tradition, which and if you don't know that song, it's like, you know, it's like it's anyway, it's a song. So he stops right in the middle of it, just stops and goes, I hope none of you are doing hallucinogenic drugs. They're illegal and they're bad for you. Crazy. I was like, man, because he was so high on hallucinogenic drugs at that moment. It was awesome. Anyway, uh, like that was uh it was either right after Sailing the Seas of Cheese came out, or it was, I think it was the tour for Sailing the Seas of Cheese, is that it was that concert, which was nuts. Uh, good old days. Good old days. Yeah, so, and then lastly, I will update, I, I have been <laughs> promising that I'd update the map with all my Mexico City recommendations. I will actually do that today. 
All right. Patreons. Um, so, yeah. Right. A lot of new spots that I found. Sounds good. Uh, Primus. All right. So, you want some questions first, and then we'll go back into uh, the whole uh, the history of the Wiley, or do you want to do You're more history? Me, sure, as you wish. Sure, I'm happy for questions. Questions? All right. Sure. So we got we got questions for you. Right? Great. All right. Oh, by the way, uh, speaking of people who are interested in dough-based products, next week we have uh, Craig from Omo Kitchen coming on. Yep. So any of you that uh, have bagel-related questions, nouveau bagel-related questions. Oh, by the way, Jack, did you see that they're doing a new a new metal tour? Oh, my God. I sure did. Oh, my God. So many bands. Like, so much corn, so much <laughs> incubus. Like, But then they're also including people like Skinny Puppy and freaking Mr. Bungle. So I'm like, on what, like, where, like, like, okay, Mr. Bungle, I kind of get it, but like, how is Skinny Puppy the similar, I don't know, is like Slipknot playing that thing? I don't know. All I'm saying is. Probably, it's an insane lineup. It looks like a joke. When I saw it first, I was like, this has to be just a joke, like a meme, but (laughs) it is real. (laughs) You're like, I verified it. It's actually happening. And then I went back and listened. Yeah, I really did have to go look. Yeah. I mean, like, I like Skinny Puppy, right? But, like, a lot of this, because I, mean, I don't consider that new metal, but a lot of that new because metal. Because they're stuff, delicious. They are. Yeah. It didn't really, when, when you got <laughs> just the right level of tenderness, but uh, long cook. But, you, by the way, Wiley, congratulations on, on uh, you and I joining the International Sous Vide Hall of Fame together. <laughs> yes. Congratulations yeah? to us all. <laughs> by the way, for those of you that don't know, Wiley's the one, I mean, I've said this on the air a million times, Wiley's the one who kind of got me into, again, he was macking on my wife's sister, and so the only way he could do that was by getting me to get him immersion circulators off of eBay, and that's how we became friends. I mean, that's probably a modified version of the story, but... <laughs> it's the one that I'm sticking with, though. Okay. Yeah. There, well, there's wi- some truth to it. Wiley was the f- first person I know of other than Thomas Keller and maybe Charlie Trotter to have immersion circulators in the U.S. because no one had them here and no one could afford them, right? So Wiley had a $250,000 $250, was what the Bonet costs. I mean, I, I, I don't know that. It was, it was that, a lot. There's a lot of good that will come of discussing that. Well, I don't know. But, uh, not the cost, but like well, it's, it's expensive and huge uh, and great. Yeah, 11 feet by 8 feet. Right, except for the it's fact like a big pool table. that they could not replace the flat top pieces properly and I had to go and grind them down. Again, I don't think we're here to to, to badmouth Bonet. Ah, but I'm saying, this is like, WD-50 was a kit, like a cook's paradise, right? It had a huge, awesome, amazing, everybody loved kitchen and a really nice downstairs. So like, you know how when you go downstairs at a lot of restaurants, it really sucks? It was nice downstairs. It was really nice downstairs. It like was. the pastry room was air conditioned. Correct. So that like, you know, it wouldn't mess up like the 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 ice creams and the bases and the whatever lamp whatever they people's were doing. People's hair. We don't want to mess up people's hair. Well, Sam's hair when you opened was a thing of beauty. Sam Mason's hair was, you know. It still is. Yeah, 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 but I mean like, you know, I could see installing air conditioning just to keep the coif perfect. Correct. Yeah. Uh and man, the ice cream he was putting out of that place. All yes. the stuff, all, like all the stuff that that, that uh, pastry folk. I, I mean, you had kind of a really stupid, stupid list of pastry people come out of WT Fifty. Um, they were not stupid people. No, they, no, no. They, but like, they, but like a, a dumb, like crazily successful, super talented, super talented. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it it. It's always made me feel good. You know, the number of people that have gone through there and gone off to do great things, but. Oddly, the, the most notable have been the, the pastry department, you know, the, the three pastry chefs, um, as well as, I mean, you know, she wasn't an actual, she was just a cook, a pastry cook, but Christina Tosi, without question, is probably the of all the people that worked in the pastry yeah. department at WD-50, the most famous. Yeah, but, and, and what has she done with her life? <laughs> just kidding, messing yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. Tosi, who's basically ruling the world. Uh, Sanchez, who's like ruling your CEO, yeah. who's done very well, uh, uh, Sanchez and Malcolm Livingston, yeah. who just released a pretty interesting dessert at sweet, every sweet green. There's a sweet green here. Mm-hmm. You should go try it. It's available right now. Brand new dessert. First time ever at sweet green. And Stu Pack. Uh, Alex Stu Pack also, yeah. uh, who's done relatively well for himself. You think? Uh, I, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And, Sam, and Mason. Sam Mason also, yeah. also all, all extremely uh, good people, but all who've gone on to do great things. Well, the other thing about all of those people is they also all did their own. 
they did their, in other words, they didn't come and just do exactly what the person who was, do, you know, their predecessor did. They all had their own spins on things, which I thought was really kind of fun. They all did their own new kind of things and techniques. It was a very, it was a very, it was a kitchen where like you kind of demanded that people think and do kind of innovation work. Like you didn't really enjoy people just kind of like riding on it. You know what I mean? Well, we, we really encouraged people to be part of our thought process. And I think in, in that had the effect of giving those people confidence to eventually have their own thought process. And so I think they're all great examples of people who came and added to our body of work, but, but hopefully took, you know, something about our process and allowed them to help identify who they were and define who they were and continue to be. I mean, they're, we're all obviously in a state of evolution, but they're all doing really great stuff. Yeah, and your bar program was always like one of the most interesting bar programs at the time. Yeah, I always, I always used to say to, uh, I always used to say to you know whichever the magazines because people still printed magazines back then uh, would listen. I mean, they still print them. That's Miley's business. I'm not, I'm not bad mouthing the magazine business, but uh, you know, I, I used to say that uh, it was very hard for um, restaurant bars to get the kind of play they deserve. But you had like. You had like so many good people at WD. You had Tona. Remember Tona, who's now in, you know, he did research and bar and cook and he plays trumpet and he was a nanny and he's a capoeira expert. Uh, I mean, we had a lot of people, you know, yeah. to start with Kevin, Eben Freeman. Eben, Eben was our Juice. original. Juice. We had, we Kevin, had some Kevin unknowns. Denton. We had some very well-knowns, you know. Um, and we had, we, had a lot of, we had a lot of good people that went through the bar program there. I mean, again, we... You know, I, I, I think I, a, a great restaurant has got something to offer sort of an all rungs of the ladder. So we wanted to have not just good food, not just good service. We wanted, you know, we wanted to have food and beverage, but within the food and beverage, we wanted to have, you know, we had an amazing, you know, sherry collection. We had amazing rums that nobody knew about. We had all sorts of different, we had a lot of different beverages, you know, that, that we felt just added to the layered experience that was WD-50 if, you know, when you when you decide to come and however you wanted to engage, whether it was simply just dinner or sort of go on this journey, there were a number of different ways that you could go on the journey and, and you know, between myself and my father and, and, and the rest of the people, we just believed that the more the more layers we could put, the, the richer the experience would be. And so we, we tried to have all that stuff. And so that's, you know, that was the fun of it. Except salad. Uh, well, because I don't believe that salad is part of the layered experience. <laughs> yeah. But, did you know that, John, that Wiley is a, a, you don't hate salad. You just didn't want to serve it. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'd like to share a little story about WD-50, if I may. Sure. So, Wiley, when I first started cooking back in 2008, you came to the restaurant I was working at, Resto, because Dan Ross Lutweiler had been one of your, your interns at one point, and I made you a grilled cheese you know, like a fancy grilled cheese, because that's what we were doing there, but didn't know who you were. And then a couple weeks later, you know, Dan made a big deal out of it. So I ended up getting a reservation at WD-50 and I showed up there and you're one of the, I can't remember who the server was, but we started talking to him and he, you know, and I casually mentioned, you know, that I'd made your grilled cheese, not thinking anything of it, you know, and that's why I was there and just for the fun of it. But he went and told you, and then the level of hospitality that you showed us was absolutely incredible. You sent out five free appetizers, three free entrees, and then you gave us a personal tour of the kitchen afterwards, and that just, like, solidified me wanting to be in hospitality. Like, that experience that you gave me without even having ever met me was just so kind and generous. And it was, yeah, so I, I'm back to chefing now. So, thank well, you. Well, I have the invoice. So I'm actually here to collect. <laughs> yeah, perfect. On those, those nine free things that you were issued. Yeah. Awesome. Well, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. No, it was, yeah, thank you. Know, you. It was a, it's a lot. It was a, it was a good time. Yeah. Well, WD was always extremely generous to cooks you always have loved cooks yeah i i mean sure absolutely yes 100 percent. i mean we tried to extend ourselves to any and all customers but we did like to give um special consideration to 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 kitchen you know to cooks kitchen workers that would come and you know understandably not necessarily have have the ability to to afford to eat there it, it, to have the full experience. I mean, right. yes, we had a la carte, but I, I think really WD-50 at the height of its powers was a long, slow, fun-tasting menu um, where you could do a lot of different things and have a lot of different flavors and taste experiences. And so we were always trying to make sure that when, when cooks came by that we could give them the opportunity to 
to, to maybe try 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 something beyond what maybe they could afford because you know back in those days, I mean, still to this day, it's it's not the most lucrative position in the restaurant. Right, right, and I'm saying extending this hospita- hospitality to like line cooks, like you know, uh, anybody, people, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was yeah. not, you know, it was it was we were not discriminating and and i mean i hope that we made anybody feel good you know we're restaurant employees or not but we we did always um we had a, always had a thing for single diners like that we had a policy that if someone's dining alone to really go over the above and beyond for them because um you know it just seemed like a fun opportunity to to take someone who's dining alone and really give them an even richer, richer thing. Uh, not that, not, not, not to imply that dining alone is somehow sad or something like that, because dining alone can be great. You know, right. going to the movies alone, do, have singular experiences can be, can be a, a great. But, uh, but we again, we just we try to really, um, you know, I, I, it's. I think that people that get involved in restaurants are, uh, are. It's 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 so much fun to dole out that hospitality. It's so satisfying to be able to say, "Hey, look, we we do this, and we want to give you more of what we do." And I'm not particularly interested in whether or not you can afford it or want to pay for it. We just we're excited about this, and we want to bestow it upon you. And so I, I think that people that are involved in restaurants and hospitality tend to be very generous in nature. And so it's uh, it's just really fun. I mean, it's really fun. I think it would be really hard nowadays to do something like WD-50. You know what I mean? First of all, like just the the mentality behind it, I think it would be hard to get. I, I don't think you could do it again. Not you, one. You know what I mean? Like that kitchen, like the the level of, so you, like for those that never got to go there, <clears throat> you know, it was uh, bare wood, right? Not, not tablecloth, but, you know, it, the place settings were put out just so, you know, so it's like a very specific mix of not overly stodgy, not stodgy, but also like controlled. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think you see a lot of those roots in, in modern two and three star Michelin experiences, mostly in Europe. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that there's necessarily tablecloths on the table at Noma, to be honest with you. I think it's more about the beautiful wood. The same way. I mean, our tables were made from the wood reclaimed from the floor when we right. renovated the building. And, and and that's as equally, I think, a part of our story as a place like Noma harvesting wood from some local forest or some storied this or that. But, I, I you know, I think at, it, at its... I, I think restaurants like that are in some ways ultimately more of a European, like supported by the by a European or foreign plate. Like America's not, there were never, I mean, when, you know, Alinea is still a practitioner and there are maybe a small handful of other places thinking, cooking, giving you experience in that sort of way. Although I think the, the like you said, the dining room, a lot of the service and stuff at, at WD is not like Alinea at all. It's much, um, much more informal, uh, much more casual. Um, it, but it, it, it's, it, I, th- I think you're right. I think it would be hard to do that. I think it had a time and a place and, and, you know, well, I, yeah, especially the, the mental room that that kitchen allowed. I don't think anyone, I don't think it'd be hard to, to get that built again. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a, it's a lot, you know, it, there's a lot of pressure too to constantly innovate. I mean, it was a different time. It was a different time in kitchens. There was almost this kind of crazy space race around the world where it was like, okay, you know, we're going to be at Madrid fusion this year. Or we're going to be at star Chefs this year. What are we going to do? What are we going to show? What are, it, it was, you know, there was a lot of technique. It was a lot of technique driven. I mean, I think some people, the critics used that as an opportunity to say it wasn't good because it wasn't about flavor or deliciousness. It was just about this, you know, how can I make something crazy? And I, I disagree with that. Um, but there was almost this sort of maniacal space race to to come up with this new wild and crazy technique of which you played, you know, many a vital role in, 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 in you know, whether it was making, you know. Coffee and milk drops. Yeah. Keeping the circulators running. Keeping the circulators <laughs> running. But it, it was a wonderful time. It was a wonderful time. But I think that probably that time has has passed. Um, I think that there's still room for for a lot of the belief systems that I have about cooking and approaches to cooking. And, you know, we're applying a lot of that thought process to what, what what's involved in a pizza. But um, I think for, you know, if someone said, here's $5 million, go open another WD-50, I think I might actually... Uh, you know, say I, I, I thank you, but no, I let's open fifteen pizzerias instead. Yeah, mm. well, that's a lot of work. And plus, you already opened a WD fifty. 
Yeah, and, and, and like, you know, I feel good. I feel good we set out to achieve a lot of things. And I think for the most part, we achieved every goal, you know, we, we, that we set out. And so it, 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 the, it was, the circle was complete. I yeah. don't, you know, Alder was an incomplete thought. It didn't get to go all the way through, uh, and that's too bad. And dues certainly didn't come close. Um, and that's also unfortunate. But I feel good about, you know, WD-50's life cycle. WD-50 stayed open until they knocked the building down. Yeah, and to this day, there's still nothing in the retail space. So yeah, no. I feel bad. I feel bad for for the sort of myopic vision that the landlords at the time had because they they could we could have put it back. Anyway, that's that's a story for another day. Yeah, one of the many many times I ate at WD fifty, um, I remember I was having a delicious tasting meal. But, but he like Wiley would always keep some of his uh, his pork belly around because he knew that I loved his pork belly. Like oh. Wiley's pork belly. Is real good. You want to go through the procedure? It was just a long, slow. You know, it was a, it was brined for a while, and then it was cooked for even longer. Um, but you pressed it real flat, so you got good was, skin contact. And then it was pressed after that. So yeah. it was, you know, it was like a two to three day process. But I mean, that it, it were it not for the pork belly, you and I may not know each other. I mean, that pork belly was good. Like I don't, I. I would just be like just more pork, <laughs> like just more pork belly. Well, that's what you were known as. You <laughs> yeah. were the guy that wanted the middle course pork belly. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's you know. Well, I appreciated it. Chef, the guy, middle course pork belly wants a kitchen tour. Well, yeah. You go tell the guy if he wants a kitchen tour. I want a date with his sister. See, I, and, I wasn't and lying. So, and so, the, you know, long story short, yeah. I married the girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Dave got the pork, so everybody yeah. wins. I uh, yeah, I went one all the way around. Yeah, but I remember, <clears throat> so like. Uh, so WD-50 uh, had, like, big picture windows in the front and, like, the bar, and you kind of go in. And uh, it's it, it was literally I, – I mean, I was living still in the garment district at the time, but I was about to move down to the neighborhood, or I had just moved down to the neighborhood. And uh, you're, people are sitting there having this kind of amazing <laughs> tasting experience, and kids would just come up, pull their pants down, and push their butt against the window. Remember that? I mean, who doesn't like a little pressed ham? <laughs> you know, who doesn't like a little pressed ham? Different, different time, different time in uh, in the in the Lower East Side. Different yeah. time in the Lower East Side. Uh, Biff Ditwright saying, "Question: What is your? This is for you, Wiley. Okay. He's trying to. He's trolling. This is a troll question. Oh, okay. Prepare for to be trolled. O okay. Okay. For those of you that don't know, Wiley had a. Uh, a, a donut concept called Do, which is short for Dufresne, duh. Yeah. yeah. Coffee, donuts. And you also have a family history Do of donuts. Donuts and coffee, but that's yeah, okay. Yeah, we yeah. we well, laid a lead with donuts. Uh, fair, fair. But, but you have a family history of, of donuts. Correct. You want to talk about the family history of donuts briefly before I read this troll question? so that they... My great-grandfather was a, a cake donut maker. Okay. That's it. Yeah, and you, you enjoy them. I very much enjoy them. Yeah, all right. You know why? Because they're, they're delicious. delicious. Yeah. yeah. Which is the correct answer for anything. Yeah. I mean, that's delicious. Yeah. <clears throat> Question. What is your best argument for why cake donuts should even be bothered with when there is the clearly superior option of making yeasted nuts? Um, well, <laughs> that person has a medical condition, I think, if their nuts are yeasted. Um, and, I, and for that, I, I'm sorry. I wish them a speedy recovery. Uh, I, I believe that, uh, you know, again, the, there's, there's a, enough space in the world for everybody, but I think if you consider the, the idea of, of taking cake batter, which is really what a cake donut is, and trying to fry that in a perfect circle in under three minutes, when not, one normally would pour that into a pan and bake it in an oven in 30 to 45 minutes, that there's a real art to it. Um, and I, I find like a warm sugared cake donut about four minutes after it's come out of the oven when all the starches have actually retrograded and it's cooled to be sort of ethereal. But that's not to say that you, one, this lovely person, couldn't enjoy a yeasted donut. But I think that a cake donut is better, uh, personally. Yeasted, yeasted donuts are easier to make. I mean, okay, look, I don't want to be a jerk about it, but I mean, in other words, like, they're self-sealing, right? So, like, you, you, you make a yeasted dough... And it's easier to get to a certain level with, I'm not saying, look, to be great is hard with anything, but I'm saying just to a certain level, yeast is easier because they're self-skinning. So you throw them into the oil and they self-skin. Well, just because it's easier doesn't make it better or worse. Right. But, um, but I think you enjoy challenges and you, even the way you just said it, making a cake donut is hard. 
it, making a cake donut is hard. I would say, actually, bigger picture, frying in general is one of the hardest culinary forms, period, hard stop, to do properly. It's There are so many more people practicing bad, greasy. It's easy. We have a saying, it's easy to make greasy food. And it's really easy to make greasy food in a fryer. It's very easy. Properly fried food is not greasy. Um, unfortunately, most cake donuts are greasy and they are perceived as moist. People think that a, 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 a grease leaden donut, laden donut is moist. It's actually not. It's greasy. A proper cake donut should have a nice crust, a ring. To be honest, I think an old fashioned is probably a donut at its highest, like the apex of art. Um, but properly fried donuts are, are really hard to do. Properly fried anything is really hard to do. Okay. It's a lot easier to put a piece of fish or a, or a piece of meat in a pan than it is to fry it. Yeah. I mean, I think people should think more about frying. I think they it's, should do it more. It's really hard. How do you like your Cajun fryer, by the way? Um, I do like that Cajun fryer. It's a lot of work to mm-hmm. uh, maintain a, a fryer that you don't use regularly. You know what I mean? Yeah, like trust me. Um, I, I, I mean, frying, you know, it's safe to fry outside and stuff like that. So it's great. And, and I do like it, but it's, um, you know, the, having the a fryer works, the lid works to keep the oil good or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, having a fryer in the middle of the woods is not without its challenges. You know well, what I mean? I, I don't know. It's in I, a clearing. <laughs> to be fair, it's in a clearing. Anyway. But how do you deal with the, do you, are you okay with the lack of uh thermostat? That's the thing. Cause like when I'm, you know, you know, for so long, I, I, you know, I had a giant thermostatic fryer. I miss it. Dearly. Well, it's in my garage if you want it. I know, but I have no place to put it. (laughs) Although, you know, I think I figured out the problem. I think I could probably put it back in. But you know what? Who wouldn't like that very much? The building. Oh, my wife. Yeah. And the building. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Your insurance company. Yeah. Oh, my God. Back in the old place when I had the 40-pound fryer. Oof. Yeah, and you didn't have children to be concerned about? I did. They they knew not to put their get near the fryer. It's like, (laughs) come on. It's like, you know. Don't stand behind the car when I'm backing out of the garage. Only for me, it was don't get near the fryer when it's frying. You know what I mean? Moving on. Anyway, uh, I missed the fryer deeply. But you like the Cajun one for for, it's a good uh, option for people to have an outdoor fryer. Uh, Yes, it is a good option for outdoor. Absolutely. 100%. And is that, I forget, is that stainless or painted? It's painted. Yeah. It's painted. Uh, Oh, you're a lover of the stainless. I'm sure it's like if they, they'd, Offered you a stainless option. You well, would... it was a gift from my most excellent wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's good. I fried fish out there. I, fr- I fried a lot of donuts out there. Yeah. It's good. A uh, chef, chef style people. Wiley turned me on to the stainless steel wedding bands. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. You turned me on to stainless right. steel wedding band because right. you're a lover of stainless steel. I, I, I am. I am. Yeah. Very so much your so. favorite metal. <laughs> well, what's not to like? What's not to like about stainless? Yeah, I mean it's stainless and it's hard. Yeah, shiny. Yeah. I was just having, you know, we're building a, a pizzeria, and uh, oh, we just decided to clad the bar in stainless. And, and someone said, "Won't that won't won't like drinks leave leave rings on it?" I said, uh, "No, because it's stainless." <laughs> stainless. Yeah, but won't like you know like the way bars oxidize in the metal. I said it, it will not. They said it, but I said it's stainless. It will. It will not leave a mark. <laughs> it is without stain. Yeah, we had in our house up in Connecticut. We had countertops put in that were that were stainless, and the, the contractor was like, "I've got them in. They're they're they're, they're going to breathe. They're be shiny. It's going to look like chrome." I was like, "No, I want you to brush the whole thing." The He's what? like, "But no, no, it'll look it'll look it'll look like like it's been used. Like the second you walk away from polished right. stainless, it looks terrible." So so brush the whole thing. He's like, "I, I, I brush it. Looks great." <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, stainless. You know, when you go to uh, get like um, stainless stuff manufactured on the, you know, down the district in the street, yeah. they're like, is this residential or is this uh, commercial? And, it, and they always try to put a higher finish on the residential, but then it ends up looking like garbage anyway. Yes. Brushed. Just brush it. <clears throat> so you mentioned the pizzeria. Do you want to say anything more about that? So you did your stretch pop up. We did stretch pop up. Yes. Right. And then now you're, can, you're, what do you want to say about what's going forward? Uh, we're, tr- we're, we're, we're working diligently on um, bringing a, a stretch brick and mortar pizzeria uh, to a neighborhood near you soon. What kind of oven are you going to use? We're going to use a deck oven, electric deck oven. You do want to talk about the brand or you don't have it picked out yet? Uh, I think we're going to go with the Pizza Master. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. We're pretty, pretty enthusiastic about that. Nice. They've and how, nice how tall are those decks? Uh, well, we have, we're, we'll be using a three deck oven. Um, the, 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 the bottom of the upper deck, if that makes sense, yeah. with the door open, I think it sits at 60 inches. 
Right, but how how deep is each like uh, are pizza? What's pizza, the height of each deck? Yeah, pizza mean, decks are real short, right? Yeah, they're I think what is that eight inches? I think, I think oh, it's, it's pretty about, high though. Yeah, I mean it's, I, it's enough. I room. have the specs. Is it in my is phone. It, are they the big? Is it head. like like oh, what? it's about seventy inches wide mm. and fifty deep? And what's what's going to be your standard uh, diameter pizza? Yeah. Um, probably a 12 inch. I mean, I think that there's a lot to like, I mean, uh, yeah, 12 inch, 12 inch pizza. There's a lot to like about a 12 inch pie. Um, and we're doing a New York style dough. And I think that, uh, nobody really makes New York style pizza that small. You know, typically New York pizzas are 18 to 20s. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, those, those pies don't deliver well. And I think that a a New York style pizza in, 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 in a smaller size, um, will actually be a great pie for delivery. We'll hold up to delivery. Won't won't arrive in a box all soupy and steamy and gross. Um, oh, soupy and steamy. Um, yeah. You gonna make a pizza soup? Uh, I hadn't thought about making pizza soup, although I do have an idea for a French onion soup pizza. Yeah, that sounds Ooh. great. So that sounds great. But you right? don't you sounds don't want to do a like you know going back to WD days, you'd be making a pizza consomme, <laughs> <laughs> and then you would serve breadsticks with a pizza consomme. Something like, yeah. Well, you know, we tried hot dog consomme at yeah, WD. Yeah. It was terrible. It was you, disgusting. Do you know what the best hot dog consomme is? Go out to the, go out to the dirty dog f- folks, pay them for a cup of their water. That's what we did. And then yeah. we clarified it. Yeah. And it was gross. I've tasted it. It tastes like hot dog. It was gross. All it right. was pretty gross. I've tasted their water. It didn't go on the menu. Uh, the worst thing I've ever, liquor, is this true, worst. One of the worst liquors I've ever made was hot dog liquor. Yeah, that doesn't sound good either. It was bad. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Brady Vicker wants to have more on donuts. Brady Vicker uh, wants to know more about how you approach developing your cake donuts. It seems like ninety nine per, uh, percent of places use a mix. It's more like a hundred percent, right? I mean, he's right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, how hard is it to go your own way? You can go your own way. Go your own way. You you sure can. Yeah. <laughs> um, how hard is it? I mean, if you're well, again, what's your intent? Is your intent to open a donut shop, or is your intent to make delicious donuts at home? Because um, if you're going to make donuts at home, I think you're, the bigger hurdle is what are you going to fry them in? How are you going to make sure you don't hurt yourself? Frying Again, frying frying's hard. Uh, you need a lot of oil to fry donuts properly. You need a big pot with a relatively deep amount of oil so that you don't lose temperature. You know what I mean? You don't want that thermal drop because that, that equals absorption. That equals a greasy donut. That equals a fail in my mind. So yeah. the, um, the thing that the thing that you have professionally is a huge thermal mass because you're dealing with like minimum 40, 50 pounds of oil. You know what I mean? But, but commercial donut fryers are extremely shallow. Yeah. And the, the heating element and the donut are very close together, unlike French fry fryers, which are massive, like just sort of black holes of oil where they're supposed to be, you know, the fries, the, 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 the stuff's supposed to drop to the bottom, blah, blah, blah. Right. You're not, you're not poisoning your oil the way, though, that you are with a French fry fryer. You don't need the cold zone. You, you poison the oil with chocolate donuts. Chocolate donuts screw the oil up because the cocoa and all that. Anyway, to answer this person's question, how did I go about developing a cake donut? Well, there's not a lot of literature, unlike pizza, where there's a thousand recipes online, a, a billion recipes online. There's nothing online to make a real cake donut because a cake donut is made from a batter. A yeast donut is made from a dough, and that's not up for debate. Cake, donut, cake, cake, batter, cake, donut. But most online recipes for cake donuts are rolled and punched because... They make them too so stiff so that they don't blow out. Correct. Because the idea... Because it's hard to deposit batter in a circle (laughs) at 325 to 350 degrees and not cause your home to become a problem. So, uh, again, to answer the question, what I did was I tried as best I could to find recipes of which there are not many. And I just, you know, experiment, experiment, experiment. And, and, you know, the recipe that you got the day dues closed was somewhere close to a 60 version, 68, something like that. Do you remember when, uh, way back in the day when I called the Belshaw brothers and I asked them for an actual recipe and they're like, I don't understand. Yeah. And they went down to the basement and found some like million year old person that they just like threw like food scraps to to keep alive and they scraped up some yeah i mean most places use a mix i mean i would say and there are some good ones out there there are definitely some good ones a lot of them are are not great but um you know you can tell a mix on a cake donut usually when you break it open the color because there's a lot of that yellow coloring to make it feel eggy um but but again i would say i would tell this what was this person's name 
That was Brady Vicker. Brady, I would say start with uh, your favorite pancake batter and 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 go from there because pancake batter and cake donut batter is very similar. But the thing about a mix, right, is is, is that my impression. You tell me. My impression of mixes is that they work, they deposit over a much wider range of temperature accurately than someone could accomplish without using like heavily stabilized fats and the right hydrocolloids and all that other stuff. I mean, there was not any of that fancy hydrocolloid stuff in our, in our, in our, in our, our ultimate mix. We had some things like corn, uh, you know, corn starches and, and things like that in there because they helped with uh, milk powder and things like that that helped, which is not a hydrocolloid, I yeah. understand, um, that helped with the crisping and, and some of the staling because we were, we were wholesaling and so we need to extend the shelf life. So some of those things that are in there, a lot of those additives are because donuts are made and held for a period of time. But when you're at home, you're making donuts and eating them. I would say take your favorite pancake recipe, sub out 20, 30% AP for cake flour. That'll give your donut a little bit more tenderness. Um, throw a little bit of milk powder in there if you want. That'll help with with keeping like an, a barrier on the oil. It'll also make it real cr- crispy. Um, but pancakes and donut, pancake batter and cake donut batter are very similar. So another thing you taught me is that the depositors. So if you ever buy a donut depositor, they're awesome. But they are. They're expensive though. Are you can, can are they still expensive used? Because they used to be real they're, cheap. You used. can't find them used. No. Mine but you're used. talking five, six hundred bucks, which oh, for me is the same one I have. The Bellshaw, yeah, yeah, you can get, you can get a brand new one tomorrow for six hundred bucks. I bought mine for like fifty bucks. Well, anyway, I have it, so maybe I'll put it on eBay. So if you uh, if you if you are using that, what was surprising to me is like how you have to keep it full. Like it relies on a certain weight of batter above it to work properly. It's gravity fed. Yeah. It's a great, so, but we were, you'd also could catch us, like, I, if you have that one, you just swing it a few times, and, and you can push the batter down. You drop four or five, swing it around in your arm, drop four or five. Um, yeah. yeah. But have fun with it. Cake donuts are great, are fun to make at home. Sugar, cinnamon, go for it. But yeast Free. donuts are easier to make at home. Uh, it's a process. You gotta, you gotta make that dough. You gotta let it rest. You gotta punch it. You gotta proof it. You gotta fry it. It's not easy. I don't want to make it sound like cake donut, uh, yeast donuts are a walk in the park. It's a process. Yeah. But I mean, like I could make you cake donuts in half an hour. I cannot make you yeast donuts in half an hour. Okay. I could probably get the yeast donut batter ready to go before the oil was up to temp. Okay. I'm just saying if you've, What's the easiest thing to fry? Beignets, obviously. They don't even have to make, like, think. You make, like, a yeast dough, cut it into squares, and throw it in oil. It's never going to— It's, it's going to be greasy. It's going to 100%— be, be, Right, but it's going to be— You've never be, had a beignet that wasn't greasy. But it, but if you're not used to a cake donut batter, not only is it going to be greasy, it's going to literally go— poof. Make it tight. Just make a little—I'm telling you. Try with, start with, Go buy some Bisquick. Bisquick. Yeah, it's good stuff. Works well. I haven't had Bisquick in my— I haven't had Bisquick. My mom had Bisquick in the 70s, and it was that box was there the entire time of my childhood, I think. It's a good product. I can't, I can't say You know what I used to make? The first thing, one of the first things I used to make, because, you know, uh, both of us grew up only, only children, right? I mean, like, my, my parents got divorced and remarried, and so, like, I started having brothers and sisters when I was, like, 16. But by that time, you're pretty much baked, right? I used to, in the 70s, they used to make these things called pan shakes. Do you remember pan shakes? No. So a pan shake was pancake batter. So basically, but pancake mix, like Bisquick, basically, right? In a little milk carton, right? Okay. Right, and with a plastic sack on the inside. So what you do is, is you would open the pan shake carton, you would dump in the liquid, and then you'd cl- close it and roll it over so, you know, and then shake the hell out of the bag. You didn't even have to use a fork and, or, you know, a spoon. and then that's how you would make pancakes. And that's how I started. That was one of the very first things that I would, was cooking. I mean, you can buy, Bisquick does sells that now. You can buy Bisquick that you just unscrew the cap, pour the liquid in and shake it. Oh. Mm. Yeah. It's good for kids. It's good for kids to start. Like I love pancakes. Yeah. I made them this morning. Yeah. I make only giant pancakes. I can't be bothered to make a lot of little pancakes. I like I like silver dollars and normal size. They're fun. Uh, mine are the entire width of my Crampo's crepe maker. So how big is that? That's big. That's one. I make one pancake and then I slice it into, think of it as like the pizza of pancakes. I really like taking pancakes and putting them in the toaster because um, you get a real, you, 
where pancakes, the Achilles heel of a pancake is that it doesn't stay crispy for very long. But if you put them in the toaster briefly, it's exceptional because you get some crunch, you get the exterior crunch of a pancake, and then you get the steamy cake of the center. I think it's a under underappreciated thing. Steamy cake. All right. Justin Sherrill writes in, question, what uh, what do you what do you think of the donut business now that you've been in and out of it? Not about the delicious product, but what it's like to serve a product with such a short lifespan, with chain competition, and mostly morning sales compared to pizza or fine dining. Donut business is hard. That's what I would say. It's hard. It's obviously volume-driven. Uh, shelf life is an issue. Donut business is hard. Yeah. Uh, Jermaine Dupre Fixé writes, uh, what's your go-to quick meal for home to make it home? My go-to quick meal? I mean, if, if it's 645 and I haven't started yet, I keep, uh, Trader Joe's steamed dumplings in the yeah. freezer and, um, again, throw on a pot of rice, make some quick pickles, salt, sugar, equal parts, cucumbers, um, and then I'll throw the the Trader Joe's steamed dumplings. That's they're they're excellent. Huh? Put them in a pan, a little bit of oil, get them brown. Throw in four ounces of water. Put the lid on. Delicious. I like a Trader Joe's dumpling. They're very solid. You brown first and then steam. Yes, always. Okay. Right. Uh, Matt from Mystic, uh, what's your current pizza skin formula? <laughs> Uh, sorry. No can do. Yeah, yeah. Is that, yeah. What, is that what you guys call it in the biz, though? You call them skins? Well, no. To skin a pizza is, is that when you stretch a pizza, you, right. it's called skinning. You, right. you, 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 you shape it into a long, flat circle. But, right. um, you know, uh, I, 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 I don't think that it we're quite... I'd be yeah. happy to share a recipe, not the current recipe. Yeah, I see. I see. I see. Uh, well, you want to, what, what hydration are you at right now? How about that? Um, I, I like 63, 63 is a good number. 63% hydration. And I how think, long? um, well, you know, the idea of, you mean, how long does it ferment for? Yeah. I think there's a lot of work still to be done between, uh, long-term cold fermentation. There's not a lot of science on that subject, and so it's not totally clear if you can't get the same results, flavor profiles from a single day RT bulk versus a long, cold, like bald bulk. Um, and there seems to be two schools of thought on that. Um, I think again, 63% hydration, and then but again, you got to have some fun with the flour because flour is what is going to change everything in there, you know what I mean? It's water, it's flour. It's yeast. It's maybe diastatic malt, maybe not. It's sugar, maybe, maybe not. Um, I don't think there's much more to it than that. You say that. oil. Are you oil uh, in yours or no? Oil or not. Uh, yeah, I have olive oil okay. in, in, in our dough. You, uh, you like Captain Greasy stuff, right? Nick Coleman, you like his stuff. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Bird writes, uh, since uh, Dave and Wiley are both uh, philosophy majors, I wonder if they might comment on how, if at all, their study of philosophy influenced their approach to food and cooking. What do you think? John Stuart Mill, greatest good for the greatest number of people. Really, you're you're a, you're a utilitarian at heart. Yeah, sure. The greatest good for the greatest number of people. Uh, since I w- went to college when I was 18, like a lot of people do, uh, and was a boy, I read a lot of Nietzsche. So I don't really think it affected the way I live now. Like I mean, all Nietzsche. those like rich German guys that were angry and lived alone. They didn't. They they didn't. They, that was an unusual. I don't. I don't. I, mean, I don't relate to them. He but. ended up like he ended up losing his mind and like pooping pooping in his chest of drawers in his sister's attic towards the end of his life. So like it didn't end well for him. Mm-hmm. Doesn't end well for anyone. He went out like Howard Hughes. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, but not as rich. Uh Chef, why don't you like wood fire? Would you rather sell pizza in high volume or less volume? And what would determine the difference? Uh would you come is, uh, would you co- this is from Prudencia Restaurant. Would you come to our restaurant if we saved enough dough for you? Which of those questions shall I address? Just do them all. Do them all. Why don't I like wood fire? Well, I, presumably for pizza ovens. Um, I, I didn't say I don't like wood fire for pizza ovens. I said the type of pizza I make does not go into a wood fired oven. Okay. Um, I make, you know, tip, typically lower hydration doughs that that are are better suited to, to deck oven. I mean, I, I've, I'm chasing a New York style pizza. New York style pizza doesn't go in a, a, a wood burning oven. What There's, do you think about the coal like Lombardi's? Uh, I think that's del- I mean that Lombardi's yeah. pizza is delicious, yeah. but that's not 
That's that is okay. That's New York style pizza. Then we're now we're getting granular, and you're talking yeah. about New York style pizza, New York pizza history, cultural anthropology, blah blah blah. Yeah. But I I have I the type of pizza I make doesn't really fare well in a coal oven. I have no problem with that uh, as a concept. I think it's delicious. A lot of New Haven pizza is also coal fired and delicious. Um, what do I think about the pizza business? What was? Uh, uh, would you rather sell in high volume or low volume? And what would be the difference making you choose? Presumably meaning that you would use different kind of specs or different... I mean, I'd like to have a pizza business that was successful, so there's got to be some sort of volume. You you know what I mean? I think I'm better selling 100 pizzas than three. So uh, I'm not sure that I totally Unless the three are really big and really expensive. Really expensive. (laughs) Um, And would I come to their place if they saved me some dough, meaning like they typically run out by the time I'm there? I mean, they want you to come make a pizza there. Uh, where is it? I don't know. We'll look it up. Uh, uh, sure. Yeah, I'd love to come. By the way, airfare included. I'm gonna bring. Uh, I'm gonna bring gold leaf, and I want. I want like flittering gold leaf on my pizza, or no love. Uh, yeah. What we'll do is we'll mix it with bonito flakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, put yeah. it on. You yeah, have yeah, like yeah. a gilded. I actually like that look. The yeah. bonito flake, the waving bonito flake. I have. A, I, I've been dying to put bonito flakes on a pizza. I think it would be super cool. Uh, I'm sure it's been done, but I, I had it in. Uh, where was I? It was Japan, I think I had it, and and it was. The pizza was not good, but the effect of the Benito flake, super fun, super on point. Yeah. Uh, Rachel Karen writes in, how can one thicken gravy at Thanksgiving using a hydrocolloid instead of flour for uh, celiac guests and where can it be purchased? And I'll add to this that I'm assuming that Rachel doesn't want the gravy to look transparent like a cornstarch thickened gravy. So look like a gravy, but use a different hydrocolloid. Uh, I, I would say probably your friend is Zanthan, Xanthan gum is your friend. It is the gateway hydrocolloid, as they say. Um, and, uh, it, it's probably the best way to thicken that. Uh, I mean, are you, are we using reduction? Like, I mean, again, this well, is, you a, don't want to overreduce it. So let's say you were going to take a standard like stock that, you know, is maybe self gelling, but not like a glass, right? So I, yeah. So like, I mean, a little bit of sand, but you never go over like, you never go over like two tenths on a gravy, right? Because you don't want it to look jiggly diggly. You're not Spanish. Uh, no, but I think that you could get the viscosity that you want in a gravy um, from Xanthango. But what would you do to add the opacity? What would you add that adds opacity to it? Because cornstarch doesn't have the right look. You, like, I'm assuming we want gravy to look like gravy. And gravy looks, and John and I, we've had this discussion. To me, gravy looks what, like. What about, what, 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 what about some emulsified fat? I mean, that would add the opacity. Yeah, it might come out as might like. Well, again, if you're making if you're making proper gravy, gravy, if you're making proper gravy. gravy, there is emulsified fat in the process. It's reducing gelatin is emulsifying the oils that you used in the pan. Um, I, I would I would say xanthan gum or a cornstarch. I disagree with you. I think cornstarch is a good... Escoffia was right. Cornstarch is the future. He liked arrowroot, though, didn't he? Uh, I think he liked cornstarch, too, no? Arrowroot's also good. High oh. amylase, though. If you use arrowroot, it's going to gel a lot harder when it cools. Like, a lot harder. Correct. Um... Okay, we have uh, 1 minute 28. Benjamin uh, Dweck writes in, I've been fortunate enough to come across some good quality uh, Turkish Salep powder. Any tips on a reliable way to make Salep Dondurma? Can I adapt any old ice cream recipe? Other uses for beyond the traditional hot drink? Uh, you have a lot, do you ever no make experience that? with Salep? So, <clears throat> Benjamin, there, there's things that are marketed in Turkey as Salep powder that aren't Salep powder that are made for the drink. And then there's the actual orchid uh, root that's made for the ice cream and they're not the same they don't act the same when you're making celeb ice cream it's uh it must be heated so you treat it like a like a like a hot disperse it and then hydrate it uh cool the base down and you have to physically beat the celeb after it's frozen and keep it cold so you can't just make the ice cream and unless you have a very serious ice cream machine it it is hard to churn right just just do it with guar gum you'll get close enough well, you need like guar plus uh, I forget what my old mix was that really gets a Salepi snap. But go 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 find it on the cooking issues. I I did I have a bunch of recipes for it, and people also used to use um, konjac. 
Little Xanthan, uh, Little Xanthan, uh, what's the deal with non-aluminum baking powder? It was mentioned by Rose on the show that it could have a ruinous taste. Is that true? Uh, should I switch to one of the non-aluminum brands? Uh, no, I think she was saying that non-aluminum has SAPP, which can have a bitter taste, like some of the double acting that are aluminum-free. I think she didn't like the flavor of. I love SAP. That was the, that's that's the best baking powder for donuts. SAP cake donuts. SAP sodium acid pyrophosphate. Donut cake donuts friend. All right. Well, there you have it. Cooking issues. Thanks, Wiley. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>